what attracts me and what keeps me passionate about it is first the ability to curate our fresh and innovative events for my community and clients and the opportunity to create something different and unique each time. I had a client that reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I saw what you did with this event. I loved it and I want this exact same thing. And I said, absolutely not. Because every client and every event has its own personality, right? So I want to design each client's event based on their own personal palette. Hello, and welcome to Food Crush, the On Milwaukee podcast for people who eat. As always, I am your co-host, Matt Miller, culture editor at OnMilwaukee.com, and I am joined, as always, by Lori Frederick, dining editor at OnMilwaukee.com. How are you doing today, Lori? I am, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? It's a Monday. It's I'm great. It's a Monday, but it's a very spring Monday. It's like 55 degrees outside. Got people building a fence in the backyard for me. <laughs> oh, awesome. You know, awesome. So the fun fact about out. fences, they're the most expensive thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but they are, but yeah, they are expensive. <laughs> yeah, this one, it's, it's wild. I mean, I'm very happy about it. We have too many puppos to not have a fence because it's, it's, it's just a hassle. Did you watch any of the the March Madness this weekend? We're recording on April third, so we the the women's championship is over, uh, otherwise known as the Great Twenty Twenty Three Ref Show, um, and uh, and the national championship on the men's side is tonight. Have you watched any of it? I haven't. I, I will confess. Not one second. Watch one second of March Madness this year. Do you know who is in the championship <laughs> game tonight? <laughs> If you if you can pick a college <laughs> in the state of either team, so well, I mean, um, you know, Marquette could could be. <laughs> they well, they, te- technically they could have. Yeah, but I but I think That's, I think I remember hearing that they dropped off in there somewhere. They did. So, you were correct. Yeah. That great cry you heard yes. two weeks ago was Marquette yeah. losing. So and and they're usually my you know my guests. I think too that I've been trained and I tend to follow college basketball only because I worked at Marquette for so long. And so yeah. I was up on it whether I liked it or not when I worked there. Yeah. And now and now you've dropped it. Dropped it like I, I, a I've sort habit. of dropped it, yeah. But you know, we had it's, Yeah. You you're missing you're missing out. It was a great March Madness this year. It was San Diego State against uh yukon tonight for the national championship oh interesting listeners out in the future are probably celebrating or (laughs) lamenting a yukon national championship there's a chance san diego state could win there's a chance a meteor may strike the yukon bench uh and san diego state may win by default who knows one never know uh one never knows it is not called march normalcy Um, And this is not a basketball podcast. This is a food and drink podcast. And conveniently, we have a guest to talk about these very topics with us. We have a guest who recently um, has engaged herself pretty (laughs) full-time in this whole food and beverage arena. Um, Today, we have with us Samantha Mitchell. And she is the owner and founder of Samantha Star Events. Um, which I would categorize as is you're pretty food and beverage focused. I mean, most of your events have something to do with food, even if they also, you know, 
kind of spread out in other directions. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, first of all, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Did you watch any March Madness? Absolutely. <laughs> I love sports. So. Ooh, who are you? Uh, any any uh, favorites you were rooting for? This time around, I'm, I haven't really been rooting for anyone specific. I've really just been enjoying the series, and it was such an unpredicted <laughs> series, uh, both uh, <laughs> for the men and women. So um, I watched the women's yeah. championship game yesterday, and today or I'll be watching the men. So it's been exciting. Yeah, I I have to ask, what what'd you make of the the women's national championship game yesterday? I think some people were were disappointed in I was so in, happy. I was so happy for oh. LSU. It was such a great game. Bro- both teams played really well. Um but L- LSU was very deserving and um for that first title, that first championship, I think it was a really great journey they had. Absolutely. And I mean, they only lost twice this year, right? Like LSU was a, a beast this entire season. And I, I think even some of the LSU players said it like we have a whole team here. Iowa has has one has one player, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was it was fun. And it was a great game. And hopefully the, the men's game can follow suit tonight. But we are not here to talk any more basketball. Well, I, am, I am putting us on a basketball totally hiatus yes. for at least another five minutes. Um, so but uh, but yeah, Lori. Yeah, so Samantha, um, because you're the best person ever to talk about <laughs> to talk Aww. about this. Um, why don't you kind of just give us a a summary um, of how Samantha Star events got ex- got started? Um, you know what you what you do, um, and kind of I guess what your goals are. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So. Uh, I am the owner and principal planner of Samantha Star Events, um, founded in 2016. Uh, we're a full-service event planning company specializing in luxe events, weddings, and curated experiences. As Laurie shared earlier, you know, I do my own grand events as well. So outside of my client events, I do events related to food, dining, arts, and culture. Ooh. And sometimes so that's awesome. Congratulations! Thank you. And sometimes you're coming up on almost a decade. I know. That is, <laughs> I know. You're gonna have a big celebration. But but it's kind of a big moment for you because you have always had a job. Yeah, um, sitting right next to Samantha Star. <laughs> right next to me. Uh, and so, and you recently decided to go full blast with this, and you left your job. And yeah. it's been a whole, you know, it's a whole first what your previous, day. What, what was your previous job, if I can ask? Yeah, my previous job, which I absolutely loved, I was working in DE&I at United Way um, on the, on the oh. fundraising side. Um, so I had been there about five and a half years. And so it, it, was, a, it was a tough decision. You know, it's, it's a lot of yeah. thinking and planning that goes into quitting a job where you're you feel secure and, and it's a lot of stability um and then taking that leap of faith essentially to go out on your own um yeah so, you know um it was just a lot of thinking i knew that i wanted to scale my business up right and i wanted to focus on my passion which is event planning so i started to make that exit plan <laughs> you had to plan for the plan. Plan for the plan, <laughs> the unknown plan. Um, 
And yeah, like Lori mentioned, essentially I had two full-time jobs. So I knew I had to let go of the one that wasn't aligned with my passion and long-term goals. And so I did that just recently. And um, it was a lot of thinking. It was a lot of planning, decision-making. I consulted with small business owners that I knew. I did research. I did all the things. And one thing that has been so helpful is having very supportive family and friends. You know, it's so important when making a major life change like this um, to have a good support system. So that's been a huge blessing. Yeah. What were so you said you talked to other local small businesses and stuff like that. What was the kind of big advice that they gave you while you were starting off on your own? A lot of them said, <laughs> you just got to do it. There's no book or there are no, you know, one, two, three step that is going to be right. Everything is so tailored to the individual person and where you're at in life and, um, you know, your business industry that you work in. So they said it's just important to to understand your business, the trends, your market and all that stuff. So um, they've been very helpful, too. Yeah, they don't they don't sell, or you, convenience, oh, you know, universal safety nets for <laughs> exactly. for entrepreneurs. I imagine <laughs> it's like parenting, like you can get all the books you want. But at the end of the day, everyone's experience is going to be everyone's different. experience is different right on. Yeah. Yeah. Were you always a planner? Like when you were a kid, were you the person who was like, this is what's going to happen at the birthday party? Like this is. Yeah, I would say um, more so in, in high school. Um, I did a lot of planning events. Um, I planned our black history program in school. And so, and then I went off to college and my degree is in PR and marketing. So, you know, that can't, that's useful. That's <laughs> it. It came up a lot of events and experiences. And then it just became something that I love to do. Yeah. Yeah. How did you kind of like, uh, kind of moving on? Um, well, first, I, I do want to say that events planning is not something for everybody. You know, like it is. Um, As someone planning <laughs> a wedding right now, one million percent agree. It's sort of those things where you you kind of it's it's always a little bit stressful because you can't control everything. You know, you have this vision, um, and yet at the same time, I think you kind of live for the payoff of when everything works. Like, yeah. or at least that's, that's how I've always approached it. And I, I, I don't know. I think there is a certain kind of person who can go and say, I want to do this full time. Um, Cause I have definitely done it and I feel like I was fairly good at it, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know when it all came down. I was like, I don't know if I could handle, you know, right. The, right. all the stress. So what kind of attracts what attracts you to it specifically like that you just can't kind of get rid of you know because it's it's not for everybody yeah i would say what attracts me and what keeps me passionate about it is first the ability to curate fresh and innovative events for my community and clients and the opportunity to create something different and unique each time um you know I had a client that reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I saw what you did with this event. I loved it. And I want this exact same thing. And I said, absolutely not. 
<laughs> because every client and every event has its own personality, right? So I want to design each client's event based on their own personal palette. Beautiful. How, how tough was it to kind of get to know, you know, you're definitely depending on, you know, working with restaurants a good amount of the time, you know, or, or food, food folks. Um, and, and I know from working with food folks, you know, that they can be fun. I mean, I, I actually, I actually do like that part, even though I often describe it as like herding cats. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> kind of how did you, you know, and I think getting to know people that you can trust and depend on and kind of getting to know how to, how to do that is one of the tougher things. How did you sort of approach that? Um, just in the events in general or food related? I think, I think the food, the food portion, you know, cause yeah. it's one thing to say, oh, I have this great plan and, you know, I would like to involve these restaurants and it's a whole other thing to get those people. Yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of relationships with folks and, Lori, I have to say, like when I first started Battle of the Chefs, when I got introduced to you, it was it was just limitless connections uh, from there. So I think the relationship and then my love for food in general, right? Everybody loves food. Um, but also knowing that Milwaukee's dining scene is underrated, right? And there are so many untold culinary secrets. So I figured, why not create a brand that showcases that? You know, I love bringing folks together um, and curating unique dining experiences from intimate to large scale, from food to craft cocktails to wine. I like to infuse all of that. And then, as I mentioned earlier, my events are around arts, culture, um, dining. And so you will see that I infuse some of that in some of the events that I do. Um, I just had an event at Thelma Carroll Wine Merchants. It was um, can Canvas and Corks. It was my MKE Fest as a smaller sale event where we did a pop-up gallery night and wine tasting. And oh my gosh, everyone loved it. Um, so just being innovative in the sense of bringing those type of events to our city that we don't see all the time. Yeah, and well, and let's let's talk. And maybe you can talk about that event specifically, and then kind of give people a notion. Um, some people may have heard of MKE Fest. Yeah, um, so MKE Fest is an arts festival that celebrates diversity in Milwaukee through arts, culture, and food, and music, and all the things. And so, um, I held my first event. I uh, held the first MKE Fest in 2017. And then I had it in 2018, 2019. I couldn't meet my sponsorship goal, so I didn't hold it. And then we were up against the pandemic, right, 2020. Right. So um, I was fortunate enough to do a, a virtual art walk series just to keep the name. I did that with All Milwaukee in 2021, um, which was really fun to do. We did probably like a five-week virtual art walk series um, where I brought artists in, various artists, um, great folks. And then, um, you know, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want the name to just fade away. I need to do something with it this year because um, it's been a while. So I'm like, I want to infuse art and wine and I want to do like a pop-up gallery night. So um, Thelma Carroll had donated to Battle of the Chefs last year. So I reached out to them like, hey, I have this uh, dope event concept. 
and they loved it. They said, well, come in, let's meet and we can put it together. And it was a masterpiece, truly. Um, Gerald, the owner, he paired each artist with a, a wine. Um, so as you walk around, you see the artists doing live art um, in their own way. They're spread throughout the um, the wine um, or the venue. And then uh, you have your wine pairings that you go and you grab at the bar and you can go and watch them paint and do whatever they're doing. And so it was truly a unique experience. There was about 70 people there and it was we had that snowstorm last year. So <laughs> yeah. it I was nervous about it, but it was still people buying tickets the day of the event. So uh, truly, Excellent. it was an amazing time. Yeah. Well, and talk about that because you had a, were there like five artists, four or five? I had, yep, I had six. Or, or six. Um, and they all were pretty different um, as far as like mediums that, you know, mm-hmm. that they chose to work with. So how did that, how did that work out? Because that's, that space is not huge. Uh, right. But everybody had enough room and kind of like, like, what was it like walking through? Uh, it was like, um, so you walk in, um, you see the hostess at the front and then right there next to the host, there's one artist, right? Um, he's doing his art and then you keep walking and you see the bar and that's where you start your wine tasting. And then from there, um, you could go and order right from how they had it listed on paper but you can also walk around and do your own thing so it was kind of like walking in a circle um and kind of zip you know zipping through and around um you know they have these beautiful wine shelves that kind of breaks up the room so we had artists you know kind of just intertwined in that full space and it worked out perfectly yeah yeah because they really they designed that kind of to mimic a library same yep. this little little coves and, and different things. Um, and what kinds of art pieces like did folks end up with at the end? There was um, like pop, pop culture, um, pop, uh, cartoon art, abstract art, um, nature. There was uh, portraits. Uh, one of the artists had a whole mannequin because he does costume work. So he had a whole mannequin there um, that he was working on as well. So that he was kind of dressing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Creating something. Cool. Creating. And it was, it was just such a great experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think live art events are awesome. And I think people were able to buy past work from yep. each artist as well. So hopefully, hopefully that paid off for everybody. Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so MKE Fest, um, are you going to do that in little kind of bits and pieces over the course of this year? And then what yeah, what's your that, vision, I guess, for that? Yeah, that MKE Fest canvassing courts is what it's called. Um, so that's a pop-up gallery style. So people loved it so much. You're like, when is the next one? You know, and then you have the people who missed it. They're like, when is the next one? So I think we're going to try to do another one um, this summer. We haven't talked much yet, but I would love to do another one and then hopefully next year bring back the full outdoor festival MKE Fest where I bring back double the artists, the food trucks, the art vendors, the DJ lineup so that um we can bring that experience back. Yeah. yeah. If when you when you kinda look back, um well we talked about the Battle of the Chefs too. 
Um, and that has been, I don't know, and, and maybe, maybe I think about that the most because it's the one that I've been maybe most involved in that I've gone to. Um, but that has been, how long has that been going on? I am gearing up for my set of year. Seven. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, I know it's more than five. Okay. Um, and I've always been, one of the things I've always been impressed with there is that you do, you do uncover some really great chefs, you know, a lot of the catering, catering chefs that nobody, you know, people don't think about them. They can't eat at their restaurants. Um, and right. they often don't get thought about unless you go to an event that they're catering, you know, and that, and that also has to do with like which circles you hang out in. Um, and how, how much did you start with those folks? Um, cause it's, it's kind of ended up to be a combination of like caterers. Yeah. And people I think my very first event, um, with majority caters as far as like the appetizers and entrees and then some of the dessert the pastry chefs were from restaurants and then over the years I've had a very good mix of both um I've started to get more brick and mortar and catering um so it's a very good variety of folks there food trucks I've had oh yeah um, during the so, pandemic did yeah, you do yeah. all or yeah, pretty much all food trucks. Or at least. It was all food trucks for 2021, and it was outdoor for the first time. So, um, and yeah, so it's been a good mix. Yeah. And what what is the response like, I guess, to um, to the Battle of the Chefs concept um, yeah, from, from so. both sides, you know, like mm-hmm. the chef side versus the... Yeah, well, the side. chef side is ever growing you know you know each year you know i get you know there are chefs that attend as well as so you know they're like oh my god i gotta do this one year you know or i want to be a judge so there's um an anticipation and people look forward to it both from the chef side and the attendee side um it's become that event that people look forward to in the fall and it's funny because in 2021 um I, you know, I stood on the back step of um, the chef's table where it had been held for the first five years. And I just soaked it all in for a minute. And I said, from here, I cannot go back to a 60-person event, which is how it started. It was the intimate dining event. I said, because the people are not going to let me. (laughs) So I, you know, it kind of made me proud to know that I've created um, an event that people look forward to um, and you know now I'm here enough for my seventh year and I just can't even believe that it's been seven years already yeah because the 2022 event I mean how many people that was there about 125 mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. which was which is a really nice size I think for an event like that because yeah. you kind of avoid having too many terribly long lines you know exactly um, I feel I don't want to lose the essence of it being kind of that exclusive event um, and where you can still inter- even interact and talk to the chefs, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's one of the tough things about event planning. How do you determine, you know, how big something can get, you know, versus mm-hmm. how big you might want it to be? Right. I think, you know, it's just a matter of me saying, this is where I want it to be. And I try to tailor it to stay that way. Um, you know, this year um, I'll probably 
do a cap at 150 um, for guests. Although I'll be in a bigger space, um, like I said, I don't want to lose the essence of the over the event overall. Plus, um, you know, that all comes down to set up too. You know, we want to make it so that people can walk through comfortably and hang out and it's not so over congested. I think we're to the point where I want to ask you for some of the uh well let's start let's start with actually let's start with the worst things that you've had happen um because this is you know yeah let's get those out of the way <laughs> the challenges I mean because there's there's there are so many things I think you know you think about the list of of all the things that have to come together to make an oh. event um what is kind of the worst thing that has ever gone wrong yeah, I kind of had. I mean, how did that end up? Yeah, so I can think of one particular thing. Um, last summer, I had an event in Chicago, and ahead of the event, the venue was firm on my team only having one hour to set up, right? And so I'm like, okay, Whoa, that's not do, that's not a lot of time. That is yeah. not a lot of time, and so I asked for some wiggle room, and they did not honor that. <laughs> so. I made sure to get there like 30 to 40 minutes early so that my load-in time didn't, you know, interfere with my setup time, right? So all of that went just fine. I had everything organized in bins. I knew exactly what went where so that execution can be smooth. Um, so setup began and then I swear time just flew. And um, I had a friend assisting me and I, gosh, I love her stepping in she does not have event planning experience but she went with me to help and then my worst fear happened um and i'm sure many event planners listening would agree that you know we don't want guests showing up and we're still setting up and so i was still setting up i was so embarrassed because that's a big no-no for me and um it worked out where the guests could hang out on the terrace but for me, that was not my proudest moment. And so my friend reminded me, she's like, you know, it's not your fault. You literally only had an hour to work with. I said, yeah, but the guests don't know that. They don't know how much time I have to set up. They just see that I'm setting up and the event is starting. And so that was embarrassing for me. But all in all, it turned out very nice. It, you know, it's so many details that goes in some events. And so that's what takes the most time is, is really that detailing piece and making sure everything is up to par. And so that was one thing that I was, I had, it took me a couple of days to like come down from that because I was so embarrassed. So, but it worked out. It was beautiful. Yeah. But the, the other side of that and the other side of that coin is that often people come to events don't necessarily, they don't know what to expect. So... There can be there's there's some wiggle room in there as far as like what they will notice as being an actual mistake or you know right um you know right. who knows they might have had a lot of fun <laughs> on the mm-hmm. hanging out on the terrace um, yeah. you know and I guess maybe some maybe some of that is, the trick is to you know convince them that was part of the plan <laughs> oh, right. there and there was um there was a wedding that I did and the the person who was emceeing the reception um was not the dj they didn't show <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> 
Well, that's a horror story. Yeah. <laughs> I had to step in and I was like, oh, wow. Hey, this is not what I do. <laughs> so, did you empty the wedding? Is that what that what happened? Yep. Or? Uh, so the, the okay. DJ the DJ jumped in, obviously, and you know we made it work. But there were some things that I had to do over the mic, and we you know we made it work. It it was flawless, and we got through it. So it's even it's things like that. There are things that are forgotten. You know, you have to leave and go back, and the things that are forgotten, and they're you know thirty or forty minutes away. You got to figure out how to adjust. You know, without it, because at that point you can't leave, you know. Um, so there are small things that go wrong, large things that go wrong. Um, but overall, you get through it. And you're still here. And you, and you, just, <laughs> and you just quit your job to do this for sure. So. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then there's a flip side to that. And like there's those things that either go better than you ever planned or um, somehow. So... We should, we should, um, you know, balance that out with some of the proudest moments, maybe, over the course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say, really, one of my proudest moments or accomplishments is, is creating Battle of the Chefs. Um, that's been a huge skill in Milwaukee, and I'm just proud to have curated an event that is so community-focused, you know, from the chefs. Um, I have a silent auction. I, I donate 100% of the proceeds for the silent auction to a youth um, culinary or hospitality program. So there's a charitable piece that goes along with Battle of the Chefs as well. Um, I'm really proud of that. I really am. Um, I am grateful to have that creative gene, right, to be able to um, bring innovator um, events to our community and collaborate. Um, I'm very big on collaboration and I'm, I'm very proud of relationships that, um, I've even just manifested and maintained and created and, you know, building relationships between other people too. Um, so I think that those are some of the things that make me proud of like where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because now that I'm thinking about it, I do remember like I think we sat and had a drink maybe at the Knickerbocker. <laughs> this is a very long time ago. Um, and you were just like, okay, I, I'm thinking of doing this. And um, who's easy to work with and, you know, who's who's around. Um, but I remember thinking for that first, that first Battle of the Chefs, how cool it was that you really did, like, in some ways you were pulling you know, you're pulling forward people and highlighting chefs who didn't ordinarily necessarily get the spotlight. Um, and I remember being, I don't know if surprise is the wrong word because, you know, people who are in the industry and who make it in the industry, you know, they make good food or they wouldn't have a business. Uh, but being really, really, I guess, impressed with how people turned up and turned out the food that they turned out yeah the food and i was like gosh is i feel like each year it just gets better and better um yeah these chefs are amazing um you know and these are sample size portions so you know their their plating is exquisite you know it's, it's top tier and it, it's just so good the flavors the colors they really put a lot of pride into um what they're serving at 
battle of the chefs and i just adore each and every one of them for that yeah yeah and if and if they don't i mean it, it shows up really really quick like you know yeah. the, the, you'll have this like insanely beautiful plate that they just obviously worked on and you know it's like this three four inch plate mm-hmm. and it's presented like you know a full-sized yeah um a full-sized entree um, yep. And they go around to the next one. You're like, oh, you missed that memo. <laughs> so, yep. um, but, and this event, you know, like we didn't talk about kind of what made it different, but you've done all sorts of things with this event to make every single one different. Um, and not just like food trucks, but was it the first, I don't know, one year you had just kind of not random folks, but a bunch of people acting as sous chefs. Yes, that that was so fun to watch. Yes, so I had, um, you know, notable folks in the community paired with our chef. I think I did that for the first two or three years. Um, They acted as some chefs, and it was just great. That's that community focus again. um, When you think of Battle of Chefs, but they loved it, Um, and it was great because the chefs needed extra support. and uh, it was a fun time for sure. Yeah. Um, Are there any events that you, uh, not to, I don't want you to spoil any of them that you may have, but are there any events that you like really want to do that kind of are, are ones that you're like, this is this is something exciting that I want to, to bring to Milwaukee or to organize? Maybe something you didn't have time for, you <laughs> know, before. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. There is, there is um, nothing concrete. You know, I I can't wait to sit down and really put some planning around um, some newer events. You know, my newest alongside Battle of the Chefs is my dinner with friends. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to continue to have some, some stuff in the work. But yeah, um, I think it's just a matter of finding what's, figuring out what's missing and, and what the people want to see. I like to start there too. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and, and kind of what is your, and maybe you haven't decided this yet, um, but what's kind of your capacity? You know, would you like to say, oh, okay, I'm going to obviously take on clients, weddings mm-hmm. and those events. And then I would like to do, you know, four, <laughs> four yeah. events every year or do you sort of have that set up in your head or I'm getting you know, there. I'm getting there. Um, would you so prefer my, to do bigger events or smaller events like that's I love both, right? So um client events, I'm still, you know, I think it's gonna be a year of, of trial and ever, error to see what I can actually handle as far as capacity wise. Um it's not really about I mean, I can have a goal in mind for what how many I want to do. But it, sometimes it comes down to capacity, depending on my role in planning that specific event, right? Um, as far as my brand events, well, we know um, Dinner with Friends is quarterly. So that's at least those four dinners a year. Um, and then everything else is annually. Um, so Battle of the Chefs is annually. MKE Fest traditionally has been annually. Um, the pop-ups will be a little different because I'll probably do two of those this year. Um, but there are other things that I want to start adding um, throughout the year. So, like I said, this will be, the rest of this year will be fine-tuning and see 
seen what I can manage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so twenty twenty four makes sense. Will be, will be the year that people yeah. see more like, clearly. I, like I what? feel like I'll I'll have a better yes. I can see more clearly. Um, I'll know my capacity. Hopefully, I'll have more assistance. Oh, right. right I have one assistant, and she's phenomenal, Raven. She is a lot of these events that I do, I would not be able to do without her. So I'm so grateful to at least have somebody in my corner who does have event planning experience and who's just as creative as I am. And we work together very well, like where she where she's stronger in, um, you know, I can or where I'm weaker in, she picks up the pieces and vice versa. So um, we have a good working relationship too. As far as like, obviously event planning has its own set of um, a skill set and, and challenges and, you know, um, the amount of networking you need to do. But as far as like starting a business, what, do you have, and, and I am asking this a little off the cuff, but do you have advice for someone who has, a, you know, a set of talents or really, really love to do something and launch a business doing it? Um, yeah. Advice, you know, things you did right, things you didn't do, <laughs> you know, things you wish you had done right, you know. Um, well, you Lori, say? Lori, today is day one of full-time entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> but you have been running. I mean, you've been you've also been doing this, you know. But I've been doing seven years. Yeah, been doing yeah, and and I'll... that that first step in taking that first event, you know, was when it started. You know. Yeah. So you, d- I mean, I know you have advice. <laughs> I would say, I would say, don't rush into it. Right. I literally worked my job for five and a half years, and people, you know, work their job longer and still run their business. I think it should. It depends on where you're at personally in life and what you're able to do. You know, I'm single. I don't have any kids. And, you know, so, you know, that allows me to be able to be more flexible and do um, essentially what I want to do. Um, But I did take some time to think this through. Um, You know, I started thinking about this maybe like a year ago. And so I just, you know, I noodled with it. (laughs) <laughs> and um, <laughs> late last year, I think it was like November, I was like, okay, Q1 of 2023 is when I'm leaving my job. I didn't know what part of Q1, you know, but I knew I was going to be gone. And literally my last day was March 31st. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Very recent. Congratulations. Yes. Was, <laughs> it, was it less scary because you knew it was coming? Yes, it was less scary, but that time went fast. I, I gave the organization a two-month notice so I gave my notice in January um because you know I wanted to ease into it as well and I wanted to be able to support the transition right in my role at United Way it was only two of us in that role so <laughs> um you know I, I wanted to ease into Samantha Star and ease out of United Way so I think it was beneficial for everybody but I think just taking time to really make a plan and um, a timeline, and then go from there. The planner likes planning. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't help is it. Is there anything you would do differently if you had to start again? You know, going back to when you first started. 
really planning an event, planning events, maybe making a little money at it? Um, I probably would have been charging more. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's hard. hard. It is hard. Time changes and, you know, prices go up, you know, kind of here and there. Well, it's it's tricky, too, because people will, yeah. Well, and people expect one price after a while, and if you if you start low and have to keep increasing, they'll they'll let you know a lot louder than if it's the other way around. Did you did you ever struggle with the the idea of um, your worth in that in that regard? Because I know it can be really really hard to price something that you're doing. I think I think people have a tendency to go low. I think women in especially. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Tend to go low, you know, mm-hmm. um, at half, you know, they're charging for something, but half of it is kind of a service, yeah. <laughs> you know, as opposed to, you know, it's like, yeah. like half volunteer and half job. Um, I've done that a lot, um, you know, and I've, I've written a lot for people for free. Um, mm-hmm. And until a couple of years ago, and I just was like, why? Why are you doing this? You know, I know, that's it. I know. But it's but it's hard to put a value, I think, on what you're doing. It is. I think it's constant fine tuning, right? Um, because people's expectations change, right? So they want more of something. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I need to adjust my rates to where, first of all, what I need to bring home, right? <laughs> and then for the work that I have to put into planning the event, um, it's not perfect. <laughs> it's, it's not perfect. And I think I think even through next year, I'm still going to be fine-tuning that, um, especially now that this is my, uh, this is my business now. This is my livelihood. So I definitely have to um, keep, you know, looking at trends. And I, I talk to a lot of um, my Chicago friends who are event planners and get insight from them on what they're doing and how they're packaging things so i think it's ever changing and i'm gonna it keeps you know learning and fine-tuning along the way has it is that helpful has that been really helpful to you to you know network with other people in the profession and have you found that people are generally willing to share because i can't imagine you knew 47 event planners you know, just naturally. <laughs> like, no, all my friends, they're event butters. <laughs> no, no, there's a few, but, um, you know, I've talked to them and, you know, it's been helpful. It's been helpful. Everyone is different. And then it was good when I was talking with a friend in Chicago recently. Um, my prices weren't that far off um, from where she was. And when you think of Chicago, that's a, you know, a larger, a bigger city. So I'm like, okay, you know, I can, you know, increase a little bit, but I I wasn't really far off. So, you know, what other folks are doing. So, um, yeah, that was helpful. No. So what can people expect as Samantha Stenar events moves forward? And I think there's a, it's, it's a little bit repetitious, maybe of a question. Um, but I mean, if you had to study the world, Hey, this is <laughs> this is what I'm coming. This is my goal. Um, yeah, I um, I would love to um, start traveling and doing events in different cities. Um, mm. 
Any city in particular? Like, is there is there one on the to do list that's highest? Um, I, I wouldn't say that's highest. I mean, Chicago's always easy. I still have a network there. I'm thinking about mm. the the locations where I have a good network, right? Because then it, it's mm. easier to get in. Um, so I've been thinking of. But if, but if, without the logistics, what city would you want to host a an event in? Um. Because imagine, I guess you could do a collab with somebody who's there, right? Yeah. Like Echo. Yeah. Like like someone comes up to you with like $2 million and is like, any city you want. Yeah. Oh, we're going to like Milan. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was specific in America. Oh, we're like, oh, I want, we're taking this thing worldwide. Uh, no, I want, I would love um, New York. I love New York. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and their dining thing obviously is top tier. So um, New York is definitely at the top of my list for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. Um, you know, really just bringing more dining experiences, more collaborations that, that Lori alluded to. And then, you know, this year for Battle of the Chef, we have an... Um, I have a, a good collaboration with the Milwaukee Film Fest. Um, culture. I, I saw that it's it come cool across event. my screen the that's other day. That's a good event. And, 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 and that's sort of funny because I saw like a, I don't know, like a kind of an ad looking piece. Mm-hmm. And it said the Battle of the Chefs. And I saw the, the Milwaukee Film logo. And I was like, they stole the name of. Samantha's in the, and then I read, and then I actually looked at it. I stopped, yeah. I stopped scrolling, so, and I looked at I it. And I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> no, no, collaboration. no. So they so. approached me after last year's event. Like, oh my god, this was amazing. How can we bring this a part of the festival? And so you know, we went back and forth, and you know, I said, look, this is my baby, so we gotta, we gotta make sure <laughs> it makes sense. Um, so yes, Battle of the Chefs will be a, a part of the Cultures and Communities Festival lineup on October 6th. Um, so it's going to be exciting. We're we're elevating the same high quality cul- culinary event that it's always been, um, but adding more chefs, more food, more fun. Um, I have a couple exciting categories that I've added this year that I won't share yet because I have not released the call for chefs. But I'll be I'll be releasing a call for chefs this week. But um, I have to keep improving it, right? Each year I want to add a little a little razzle dazzle <laughs> here and there to to keep it exciting. So I'm really excited about that, and um, you know I look forward to um, it'll be at Pritzloff. Um, it'll be at Pritzloff. Ooh. Oh, it's a nice really space. dope venue and dope space. So yeah, it's gonna be very nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you find that collaborating with folks also challenge, like, brings on new ideas, but also challenges you to to think differently. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think that's for for the most part. I think that's always um, an advantage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was I was excited that they approached me with that, and yeah, we're looking forward to a really big year for Battle of Chefs. Well, that's fun. I can't wait. Although you bring more food to that event and having judged that event a few times, um, I don't know. There's only so much one can eat. I know. I know. (laughs) And you want to try everything because you have to judge fairly. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little, it will be, I think it'll be better. 
I think it'll be better. I think it'll be easier. You'll still get a lot of good food, but you won't be full trying to get through everything that you get through and <laughs> yeah. <to> judge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And eating fast, faster than you want to. <laughs> yeah. I was laugh. I I like judging food events most of the time, but every now and again. Um and your food events have been have been far um better, I think, to judge. And the folks that you bring on as judges. Like I've loved it because typically we can all talk about the dishes and kind of yeah. Um, Obviously, Laura, you prefer to judge uh, state fair foods. <laughs> it was deep fried thing after deep fried thing after deep fried thing. I don't know. That is the most fun one of the most fun days of my entire year, but also the one that I I dread the most. You know. Um, so does your heart, I, well, your arteries. No, well, and I've I've moderated that because I do not, there's no way I'm eating 20, the whole thing of 20 different foods. I literally eat a bite or two, yeah. Yeah. you know, however much it takes to be able to like find the nature of what that thing is, you know, I'll get all the flavor. Find its it. essence. Um, if yeah. I ate the whole, and no, that would be, that would be a, <laughs> a one day death sentence. You know, but I'm always like, I, I don't want it. I also don't want it to be, uh, you know, 105 degrees um, outside because then I get, you know, the higher the temperatures outside, the less hungry I am um, and the less I want to eat fried food. So, yeah, I would much rather, <laughs> much rather judge um, a chef's event. But the state fair is fun in its own crazy, crazy way. Yes, absolutely. So, the most important question ever that is never. Yes, this is, this is always this is always the most important question we ask. Uh, our apologies and to all and the, the other easiest for you about. to answer. Quite frankly, we'd hope it's we the hope. easiest. Yeah. I don't know, uh, but I mean, it, it's hopefully a lot easier than Lori's first question, which is, "What do you do and what are your goals?" Which are like the two <laughs> yeah, biggest know, right? questions <laughs> a human being could be asked. Yes, uh, but. Uh, you know, where can people find you? Yeah, where can where people can find you? How do they, how could they hire you? Yeah, where can, where can people find or... Samantha Star events? Yes, I'm everywhere. I'm on Facebook and Instagram <laughs> as Samantha Star Events. My website is SamanthaStarEvents.com and Star is with two R's on all platforms. <laughs> and then I can be reached um, via email at Sam at SamanthaStarEvents.com. And, and that should all be like if they get to your website, SamanthaStarEvents.com, they should that all that information should be there. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, and Samantha Star Events will be in the headline somewhere of this podcast. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. so the so spelling hopefully, hopefully too, will not be too hard for two R's. Samantha, yes. as you would expect. Yeah. Um, and do you have room for clients? So if somebody Absolutely. is planning a wedding or. Um, yep, I am not fully booked yet. Um, I'm very booked. And I'm very, very booked. Um, But yes, I'm still accepting clients and all the things. And I know you mentioned weddings, but what kinds of other things have you done? Are there things you love to do? Yeah, so I do, um, I do, you know, a limited amount of wedding, um, but I get the most requests for celebrations. So like anniversary parties, anniversaries, birthdays, you know, things like that. I get corporate event requests, so I do corporate event planning as well. Um, and then, you know, my own events that I do. Yeah, I was going to say, 
yeah. And those those are probably the most fun because you have all the control. Yes, I like it. But yeah, so <laughs> so folks folks planning. I mean, and who knows? Folks planning just about anything could probably come to you and make a proposal, mm-hmm. and you would consider it for sure. Right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for, I've spent, uh, the listeners don't know this, but I've spent most of this podcast fighting my t- <laughs> uh, uh, he just, yeah, Your dog wants to be part of this. Just been very quiet. He has yes. been quiet, thankfully, but he has been uh, hogging all of my attention and like just being a menace frankly he's smiling right now he doesn't even notice no he's a menace but thank you so much for enduring that and for joining us and for telling us more about your awesome business and congratulations on going going full on full time with i love i love you guys that on milwaukee and uh, thanks for having me it's always a good time thank you thank you let's call the podcast what an awesome conversation and a really delightful person. I wish we could talk more about the national championship in March Madness, but, you know. There you go. Then, yeah, especially since she was into it and had watched. Yeah, this is, not a, this is not that kind of podcast. But if it was, I would have tangented for, for record no. times. I have a question for you, Lori, before we uh, do our, you know, good, usual goodbye things. Uh, so if someone came up to you and was like, here's $5 million, Lori host a food event or drink event in Milwaukee, what would you like your event to be like? Like, what would it be? What would, what like, what do you think it's like focus would be? Like, you don't have to have like the specifics and the details, but like, yeah, what's something we would like to bring to Milwaukee? Obviously I wouldn't, but I mean, I think that there are some great events. I wouldn't want to copy something that's in another place necessarily um but i think there are some really really great food events that um kind of like showcase truly like the diversity of places in the city um where i would want like an event where you could walk around and I don't know, maybe, maybe it would be, you know, experiencing all the neighborhoods. Um, and really, I feel like giving credit to chefs, you know, that are, that are behind the scenes, um, all day long, you know, I think it would have to be a mix of people who are really a draw, um, you know, that folks know. And then, but I would want an event, an event that included, you know, those family-run places where, you know, who knows, uncle, you know, mm-hmm. uncle whomever, or somebody's mom is cooking really, really cool food. In fact, in fact, I, I could be persuaded, honestly, to to take my whole event funding and do and do something that concentrates on that, like, you know, the hidden gems yeah. of Milwaukee. Um because I think that's what that's what you don't find mm-hmm. often. Yeah, food events. Because it's yeah. the, a lot of the same places that show up to a lot of events, and you know, and, and you know, yeah. yeah. And I might and I might choose to use that money actually because the biggest reason why folks can't show up and be included in those events is like a lack. Well, and right now it's even worse is a lack of staff, you know, mm-hmm. to really bring their game. And so if you could somehow, you know, use that money to help and give them people (laughs) 
um, you know, whether it's volunteers or what it would be. Um, I don't know. You could solve enough money solves a lot of, you know, presents a lot of solutions to things that traditionally haven't been possible. So, hmm. I think that's a really good idea, yeah. Lori. <laughs> but, you know, conveniently, I have $5 million. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely, I don't believe you. <laughs> really? Well, when but, I, I do have a bag of but if spicy you nacho Doritos next to me, taste like five million dollars. <laughs> um, what do you? What did you just say? I do have a bag of uh, spicy nacho Doritos next to me, which tastes like five million dollars. Yeah, but it's it's funny. Doritos are like my one of my weird guilty pleasures. I don't buy them. You don't have to be things. guilty about them. I don't think. And well, if, if, that's what people call these things. I don't feel guilty. Um, I think it's I, just called a snack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like, but like, I try to avoid like strangely colored things. And, <laughs> I don't know. In general, like, I try to be relatively healthy in my in my choices. But I had a um, a bag of flaming hot. Um, I think they were flaming hot Cool Ranch Doritos in my house, and it was an unusually large bag. And I ate her. I ate the remainder of them. They have too many sizes. They have too many sizes of things, though. I was getting, uh, I was getting cereal the other day, and now every cereal has like four different sizes. There's like normal box, family box, jumbo box, and then like small outhouse sized box. It's just so they like have gotten bigger than the family size. But I think like the small outside outhouse size box is just the old, you know jumbo size box right like there yeah, used to just be two the really big boxes yeah there was a big like... box and then there was like the one person box and now there's like it, it's it's too much and still no rice krispie treat cereal and most of those cereals last a long time you know like even not if i'm around if i'm around they don't well but i mean like if if you were one person like i think one person could always you know, if if you're gonna eat that cereal on a fairly regular basis, you could get through a huge box without. I don't know. I don't know why they do that. Yeah, it it's like it's of... very. I think they're just trying to take up space in the cereal aisle. Like I think it's just like a General Mills being like, "Haha, suck it." CT CT Crunch takes up an entire like shelf, like all four shelves of this chunk of the aisle. I could see that being the case. Lord, is it, is it, what's your, wait, no, 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 no you what is your favorite, what is your favorite cold cereal? Ooh, like, uh, it's probably CT Crunch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, I was wondering that. Yeah, I do like some Minnesota Crunch. Um, if they brought back Waffle Crisp, I think that would be a big thing. I ever, I ever had. Waffle that. Crisp ruled. Um, really good stuff. I'm, uh, I, I, I like the, the various Pebbles family, both Cocoa and Fruity. Um, there's not a lot of cereals I don't dislike um i mean honestly cereal's I great i did ever love the really the fruity one that's fair like i'm, I'm not a huge tricks person especially there was that brief phase where they got rid of the shaped tricks and they were just like balls and i was like this sucks this is just fruity kicks i think i think the original tricks was just balls like when well it, it. i think it's just balls that's lemon my stance on <laughs> lemongrass flavored balls 
Yeah, somehow anyway. that did not appeal to kids. Lori, where can people find more of this excellent discourse we have just busted out? So, yes. Well, you can find the Food Crush podcast um, wherever podcasts can be found. Um, but you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Food Crush Pod. And where can folks you can find me at a man about film on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever alternative there will be to Twitter hopefully soon. I don't know if you know this, but in the midst of uh, our podcast, uh, uh, dumbass Elon Musk changed the logo of Twitter to the Dogecoin dog. What? Yeah, no. Still there? Yeah, still there. I'm afraid to click it because I feel like it's going to be like a scam or something. But yeah. It's oh, what a, is that? Did somebody... Are you sure? No, I think oh, that's... Mr. It's either been hacked or it's like Elon Musk being, I don't know, a 12-year-old Reddit poster and thinking that it's funny that he's getting sued for Dogecoin shenaniganry. And uh, so now he's like... Oh. Probably, one of, probably one of his very upset employees. It's all stupid. This website's gotten so stupid. Also, they got rid of the note that says this has been a retweet, so people are just finding random people in their feed and don't know why they're there. I know. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, truly non-functioning website anymore, but that's not what we're here to talk about, and we're not even supposed to be talking anymore. We're supposed to be calling it a day. Calling it a day. Yeah, and you, you can still find me oh, yeah, over no, there. It's still on to places, too. Sorry, I've been just so distracted. No, that's okay. Dogecoin. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit distracted, too, but then I remembered I was on Twitter because you made me go over there. Um, <laughs> so I'm at love this is all my fault um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter um, and you can follow me for food food everything yes, and you should because Lori knows the most about food she's the best no one in Milwaukee no, doing it better and I'm okay yeah. uh, you know who is the best right. is the Milwaukee Brewers it is currently, we are recording amidst the home opener and uh, they are currently winning 10 nothing, I believe. Yay. Yeah. They didn't do so hot in there. No, opening day was really depressing. And then ever since then, they've just... Uh, but opening day at home is different. Yeah. And they've just kept right. winning games ever since. So, and not only that, they're like scoring runs, which was like famously something they were allergic to this <laughs> season. So... <laughs> I was going to say, they didn't seem to be very good at that one. No, they hated runs last year. So they like are, had a visceral yeah. hatred of runs. We are headed in the right direction. It so. seems like a good team. I... I'm gonna take my dog out because he keeps staring me in the face. And they're playing the Mets. They're playing the Mets. Let's meet the Mets and beat, look at me. Let's beat the Mets and meet the Mets. Uh, look at you, Lori. You know baseball, right, sports stuff, national championship. Word, yeah, couldn't couldn't be bothered. So well, you know the maybe baseball. I mean, baseball is simultaneously the most long, boring, needs social interaction sort of a game ever. Um. But I understand it, and I remember when I remember when the Brewers went to the um, World, World Series. Thank you. The World. Were you alive for that? Too. Oh yeah, I suppose you were. Yeah. I mean, I was I was six or seven, but I was just old enough to know it was when the police department still handed out baseball cards. Oh wow! On the side of the road, and so, and I still wish I knew what happened to those because I'm pretty sure I had a Raleigh fingers. Uh, Laura, you could be a, you like know. a 
a slightly less <laughs> you could be a slightly wealthy person than you are. Like, <laughs> I was gonna say slightly because I probably would have taken care of them because it wasn't like I was trading them off. Yeah, was, I can't imagine you were like um, a baseball card shark or something. No. Um, anyway. Anyway. Thank, thank you. So, so baseball maybe has yeah. a has a fun player. Yeah. Baseball rules. Thank you. Thank you to our producer for letting us ramble here at the end of this podcast. Thank you to our wonderful guest. Thank you to my wonderful co-host, Lori Frederick, uh, cart famous b- baseball card fanatic, Lori Frederick. Back to you. No, thanks, Lori. Thanks, thanks to the yeah. thanks to the uh, Milwaukee Brewers for not sucking. Uh, no thanks to Elon Musk for completely sucking. And uh, thank you most of all to you out there, our wonderful listeners. You're all the best. We heart you deeply. Um, and as always, keep cooking. <laughs>